Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, I'm so thankful to be able to have Dr. Rick Flanders come again and be a blessing and encouragement to us. You know, there are certain preachers that really resonate with us. There are certain preachers that you may enjoy listening to, some that may because of personality, some because of content. But Brother Flanders is someone that's always been a blessing. I, there would be churches that would have him nearby, and I would go to those churches to hear Brother Flanders. In fact, I have all the notes that I've ever heard from you. I have them all collected and whatever else as he preaches, try to anticipate God speaking to us. And I don't recall ever hearing a message that it was, there wasn't something in there that was a help to me and something that I needed. And now that I'm pastor here, I want to bring in people that I know they're a help to me and assuming that they would be a help to you. I don't want to just bring people to waste time or to give us fluff. I want someone who's going to be used of God to point us to him because it is Christ that is going to be our help. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity of Dr. Flanders to be with us this week and once again be used of God to be an encouragement. So as Brother Flanders comes up, have a prepared heart, anticipate, expect God to speak to you, and have the attitude that you'd be sorely disappointed if God didn't speak to you. Brother Flanders, Amen. Thanks so much, Pastor. That Amen. was so kind of you. Now I'd like to ask everybody who came this morning to find the book of Matthew in the Bible. That's the first uh, book of the New Testament scriptures, and I think you can find it. And it will help a lot if you're looking on the page with me and reading the same English words that I am. So we're literally on the same page for this whole sermon. It will help a lot. Another thing that will help, I'll tell you in just a moment. Uh, but I'll get to that after saying this. I am so glad to be back here at Riverview Baptist Church in Seymour. I remember very well that other effort to seek the Lord for revival. I remember deliverances. I, I remember I could tell them to you. We're in prayer meetings and actually the preaching of the word. Some were delivered from very, very serious problems during that week for which we give Jesus Christ the praise. I remember a number of other answers to prayer. I know of several who experienced revival that week. And we saw so many wonderful things. I have been praying for your pastor and this church ever since. I have a little book that I keep where I have listed out, organized according to the uh, outline of the so-called Lord's Prayer. Okay, I have down there a place to pray for R.V. Seymour. That's Riverview, Seymour. Then in parentheses, I put G.B., which stands for? There you go. And I think of you every time I see that, and I pray for you on a regular basis for God to send real revival to the whole church. And now maybe I get to be part of my own, an answer to my own prayer. That's what we're going to seek the face of the Lord for this week. If I lived in Green Bay and I knew that they were gathering every night at this church in Seymour to seek the face of the Lord for a revival, I would go over there because something always happens. God said more than once, if you seek me, you will find me. And I'll tell you, if we seek with him with all our heart, 
God will come and meet our needs. I'll talk in a minute about what revival is. You found the book of Matthew, right? So we're on the same page. Something else that would be real, real good. What we're going to talk about now is very easy to understand and very important to understand. And I know what the sermon is. Pastor doesn't have this outline written anywhere because I've never preached it anywhere before. How do you like that? I've been taken by this passage for many months, and now the Lord said, this is the time to talk to people about it, your friends at Seymour. Now listen, it's one that will be especially helpful and needful if we're cozy, meaning close together. Now, I pastored the same country church for 34 years. I know there are reasons why some people need to sit all the way in the back. I'm also aware of the fact that it's hard to get a good seat in a Baptist church. You have to fight for the back row. I know the work you have done to get there. But you know what I'd also like to say with a smile on my face? I'm kind of kidding you, but not. If you were to move up a couple of rows, I think you'd like this a lot better. How many of you would rather be happy than miserable? Raise your hand. Okay, there we go. I'm telling you that. If it's not true, you get your money back, okay? But uh, so while I'm still talking a little bit, I won't talk long, uh, I would welcome any of you getting up and moving up to the front. I wouldn't be offended, and I wouldn't think that you destroyed the dignity of the service by doing that. And so I'm giving you a chance right now while I still talk, okay? And here we got people already in the front talking about moving forward farther up. What do you know? Tell you what. And over that side, that's really pretty good. Okay. I'm not kidding you about this. Uh, now, interesting time. Last time I came here, I couldn't get here for the beginning of the campaign because nobody was having church because they had a blizzard. Have they ever had a blizzard in Green Bay before? Oh, I was at the blizzard. This time I came after a lot of snow. We went door to door inviting people out of these meetings yesterday in a neighborhood. We walked on ice the whole morning. Now look at me. I'm an old man. An old man fears falling on ice. I might break a bone and never get up again. But anyway, we had a really good time. And besides the icy roads and sidewalks, there were mountains of snow. Do you have mountains of snow near you? Whoa. So pretty interesting time. Also, last night, you know what we did? Moved our clock the wrong way and robbed ourselves of sleep. I know that. So I'm more grateful than you realize that you're actually here this morning. This is really great, but we're looking forward to something great in this service. Tonight, I'm going to ask you a question. It's a very telling question. Tell you what, I'm going to look you right in the eye and ask you a question. And tomorrow night, I've got another critical question. And remember, I'm here to be of help toward revival. Revival can be surgery. Revival is very serious. Revival is God lifting us up to where we ought to be. So please be kind to me. You were always nice before. And give me room to tell the truth. Okay, would you do that? So tonight I got a question, tomorrow night I got a question. You'll be back both times, okay? But now we're at Matthew chapter 12. Somebody said that the book of Matthew is the most influential book that has ever been written. 
from anybody's point of view, not just from a Christian point of view. The book of Matthew is the one that more than any other book has introduced the world to Jesus Christ and is so quoted. But now I want us to go all the way back to when Jesus Christ was a preacher. I think he was an evangelist preaching the gospel of the kingdom up in those small villages of north in Galilee, the most famous preacher in Palestine at the time. And we come to an event that comes to a statement. Matthew 12, all the way down near the end of verse 46. While he had talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. Now, I think you know that Jesus had biological brothers who were born to Mary and Joseph after he was born. So here they are, his mother and his brothers, and they come and they say, We would like to speak with Jesus. But he answered and said unto, unto him that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Now, <clears throat> revival can be described in several ways. And I'm not just talking about meetings with an outside speaker. Talking about our goal, we're asking God to revive us again. And you know what? Uh, for a Christian and for anybody who's here today or tonight or this week, we have to go back to the basics. Revival is humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Lift you up to where you may have been at one time before. Lift you up to Bible Christianity. And in order to do that, we must go back to the basics. That's what we're doing right now going back to the basics. Now, revival for a Christian is for me to be brought back to Christianity. You know, there are Christians who don't really live Christianity. They've slipped away. They've dropped down. They're below par. Revival is to be lifted up. But I'm concerned also about what revival is for the sinner. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If you're an unforgiven sinner, I'm going to tell you, you're the subject of our Discussion today. Jesus Christ came to save you. For the sinner, for the seeker. The Bible says, you will seek me and find me if you search for me with all your heart. A seeker, which may be one of you. Someone who's not sure about all of this, but you would like to know. And I'm going to tell you, we're looking at the basics. Matter of fact, the most basic of the basics about us and God is this. Look at verse 50. Whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and my mother. He's saying this. This is the most basic of the basics. And that is that people want to do the will of God. Now talk about basics. Let me talk about that three-letter word. God. Did you know nobody knows anything about God except for those who've been introduced to him from the Bible? Now, 
A lot of people say we all worship the same God, Buddhist and uh, Muslim, Hindu, everybody, and a lot of philosophers can tell you something they know about God. And that's actually not true. Did you know that the Buddha didn't believe in God? They have a philosophy. They have a spiritual message, but doesn't necessarily include a personal God. The concept that a personal God, a God that is a person with mind, will, emotions, a person who has likes and dislikes, the concept of a God creating everything comes strictly from the Bible. People say they know it. People will say, I believe in God, but I'm not sure I believe the Bible. I'll tell you what, they are in a very uh, unstable logical position. <laughs> Because there isn't anything. It is only the Bible that tells us about a God with a mind, will, likes, and dislikes. Remember the first chapter in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth? Remember when he made things, he would say, that's good. He was telling you his point of view. He's not just a power or a force. God is not it. God is he. And the only way we know that is by the scriptures. See, God. Now, here's the point. The will of God. You know, it's obvious that a creature owes his creator worship. The Bible says we owe him love, faith. We owe him many things, but including in worship. Where I'm down here where I ought to be, a creature and he's up there where he is, ruling the universe. Part of worship is, I do his will. He doesn't do my will. I do his will. Job had it right. On the worst day of his life where he lost everything, including his family, and everybody wondered what he would say, he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even though he wasn't happy with what the Lord had allowed or ordained for him, he recognized that God is God. And as God, he's the boss. It's not me telling him what to do. I know people who don't go to church anymore because one day God didn't do their will. Well, I'm not happy with God. I'll tell you what, you'll never find me in church again. Well, you know, you got, to, you got that backwards. <laughs> it's not about God doing my will. It's about me doing his will. And Jesus, as he spoke to thousands of people, said, this is my family. Those who will do the will of God, the will of my Father, which is in heaven. What about you? Dear Lord, speak to us directly and personally. Help us with our situation right now, Lord, and help us get where we ought to be back to basics, doing the will of our Creator. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this story is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, The other two, Mark and Luke, give us a little more detail in this story that's at least partially helpful. In Mark chapter 3, 
it says that first there were his friends before his family who were at this massive meeting, thousands of people in Jesus speaking. Read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You'll find out he preached long sermons. Okay? And his friends came to him, and they said he is beside himself. Old friends from Nazareth, his hometown, they said, somebody get him down. He's preaching so long. Sometimes he preached so long, they were worried about the physical health of the crowd who hadn't eaten in so long. He's beside himself. Who can tell me what it means to say that somebody's beside himself? I need help. What does that mean? Yes, ma'am. He's crazy. Jesus has lost his mind. And it was after that that his mother and brothers may be sent by his friends, said, would you tell Jesus we want to talk to him? And then Jesus said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? It's these, my disciples. For whosoever will do the will of God, he is my mother and my brethren. And then the other place is in the book of Luke chapter 8. And it tells us something else Jesus said in response. He said, these that hear the word of God and do it, the same is my mother and my brethren. Now watch, what we've just read, those who do the will of God are his family. But then he also said at the same time, those who hear the word of God and do it. In other words, the way to do the will of God is hear the word of God and do what it says. It's the Bible that tells us what the will of God is. And what I'm asking myself and you is this. How about you? Are you a person who is fixed on doing the will of your father? And you know, this is real practical. We are told to pray every day, day thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the most significant and blessed people in the world are the ones committed to doing the will of God. Amen. So, sounds like preaching, doesn't it? What about you? Now, some of us came to church today with a decision to make. I'm not talking about a come forward in church decision, but shall we buy that car or not? Shall I take another look at that job opportunity or not? Shall we move or stay in the same house or maybe something more serious? What shall I do about my marriage problem? What shall I do about my financial problem? Come with a decision. Now, here's what I'm asking you. The big issue that we're talking about now, the basics, is this. It needs to be in our mind. I wonder what God wants me to do. But it's easy to go through life and never ask that question when... Paul on the Damascus Road called Saul of Tarsus met Jesus Christ risen from the dead. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? There's a good first thing in the morning question. What do you want done about my big decision or about a spiritual one? You know, sitting there thinking, I've been saved, but I wonder if I should be baptized. Or... I wonder if God is calling me to be a missionary. These thoughts are on your mind, but I'm going to ask you to come all the way down to the most basic of the basics. Is it there 
I wonder what my father wants me to do. See, I wonder what my father wants me to say to her. I wonder what my father wants me to do about going to church today. I wonder what my father wants me to do about that question, that issue. I wonder what my father wants me to believe. See, and the most significant and blessed people in the world are those who do the will of God, and God knows who you are. How do I know that Jesus Christ knows who is the ones who really want to do the will of God who came to church today? Do you know your family? Do you know your mother? Do you know your brother and your little sister? Do you know them? Jesus Christ said, this is my family. Everybody in the world committed to doing the will of my father. That's my mother and my brethren. He knows you. Yes, he does. And you know what? What should have happened for me is I should have got up this morning and said, Father, what do you want me to do? <laughs> okay, now, I'm going to follow something through here. You look like you're awake, so let your brain work. Ready? Number one, <clears throat> the ones who do the will of God will find salvation. Now, I think I know most of you, and uh, I know what you say, and I think everybody sitting there in front of me right now says, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I'm saved. But I don't know that for sure because I haven't looked at the book of life, and I can't read your heart. But I want to tell you something. Those who want to do the will of God will find salvation. Now, I'd like you to turn back, if you will, to the chapter 7. Chapter 7. Chapter 7 is part of the first long sermon of Jesus Christ recorded in the Bible. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. We are told that this sermon was preached and taught on a mountain in, uh, in Galilee in the northern part of Palestine to a vast number of thousands of people who said that they were his disciples. Did you know there were more than 12 disciples? There were thousands. Thousands of people who answered the call, follow me. They said, we're going to follow him. So he sat them down and said, okay, if you're going to be one of my followers, here's the way it's going to be. <laughs> this is what our values will be. This is what our standards will be. This is the way we're going to live. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. They were followers of Jesus Christ, called disciples. They wanted to be his disciples, so he was teaching them about what that is. That's not the same as a believer. Okay, going to get into your head, but look down at verse 21 of chapter 7. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, you know how they became a disciple? This man said, follow me. They forsook their family in many cases, their occupation, their homes, and they walked off and started following him. That's why in this Sermon on the Mount, he said, don't worry about what will you eat or what will you drink or what kind of clothes will you wear. You know why he brought that up? That'd be something to worry about if you forsook everything. <laughs> You were just out there, didn't know where your next meal is coming from. Yeah, that Sermon on the Mount 
is for disciples. A disciple is a follower. Someone who says, I'm going to follow that man. I'm going to follow his example. I'm going to follow his words. I'm going to follow his guidance. Okay. Now, are you thinking? Will a disciple be saved? Is a disciple saved? Okay. Is it the way to be saved to decide I'm going to obey Jesus Christ? When am I saved? When I decide that I'm going to obey Jesus Christ, is that the day I got saved? There are people in church today all across Green Bay who have made that decision but know nothing about justification by faith. Some of them live in uh, monasteries or convents. Do you think they're all hypocrites? Do you think any of them were sincere when they said, I will never marry because Jesus Christ will be my husband? I'll be a nun. And you know what? My works serving Jesus Christ will earn me a home in the kingdom. How many of you would say, I think there are people like that? There are. Are they saved? Ask Martin Luther. No. That didn't. A disciple and a believer are two different things because there are two different issues. The disciple's issue is, will I follow him? Okay. The believer's issue is, who is he? Do I need him to save my soul? Matter of fact, that issue comes up in Matthew 16. He has all these people following him, notably the 12 that he's giving special training. And he says on that day at Caesarea Philippi, whom do men say that I am? They said, some say that you're a prophet or that you're John the Baptist raised from the dead, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember that? Now watch. These disciples had finally come to the threshold where they became believers, where they were saying, he will not just be my leader, he will be my God. I have not just given him my life, I've given him my very soul. When you got saved is when you depended on Jesus Christ to save your soul, which a disciple maybe hasn't done. Now, I know I'm in a controversial area, maybe, but did you know the Bible never calls Judas Iscariot a so-called disciple? He is called a disciple. Did you know that Judas was a disciple? But according to John chapter 6, he wasn't saved. Bible says he believed not. John chapter 6 says there were many of the disciples who believed not. And many of them turned back and followed him no more. Discipleship is a day-by-day thing. Salvation is once and for all. See, but now what point are you making here? Discipleship has to do with our issue today. Will I do the will of God? But now watch. If a person has committed himself and follows the principle, I want to do the will of my Father, they will eventually see the light and become a believer. See, if you read this passage of Scripture, he says, there's the narrow gate. 
narrow way and the narrow gate, the narrow road. The broad road leads to destruction. But the narrow gate and the narrow road leads to life. Okay, now that's in also Matthew chapter 7. But listen to this. One who will do the will of God will believe the words of Jesus Christ, which makes it so that they will believe when he says there's only one way. The world around you says there are many ways to heaven, but there really is only one way. And later on he said, I am the way. <laughs> and followers, if things work as they should, will become believers. In other words, the most basic of all decisions I make is I want to do the will of God. And if you want to know the will of God, someday you'll understand that the will of God is for you to repent and trust Jesus as your Savior. Willingness. Willingness makes it so I can say, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And that Savior will be Jesus Christ. Uh, an evangelist of the old time used to say this. If you're confused in your mind about what the truth is, if you'll give God your heart, he'll comb the kinks out of your head. If you'll give God your heart, he'll comb the kinks out of your head. He'll straighten out your mind. And if you were a seeker and you don't know that you have eternal life, I'm going to tell you something you can do right up front, and that is say, whatever God says, I'll believe. Whatever God wants, I'll give him. And do you know what it'll do? It'll open your eyes to the meaning of the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to save you from your sins, and you'll become a believer real soon. This is a most fundamental thing. Are you among those who go about doing the will of God? If you are, eventually you'll find salvation. Number two. People who will do the will of God will have insight. I'm going to quote a verse. John 7, 17. One of the many times in the book of John where there's a controversy over who Jesus is. The book of John is given to us to prove that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and he is our salvation. So many of these incidents are brought up in the book of John. You ought to read the book of John. In John 7, 17, Jesus said this. He that will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. I didn't get the words exactly right. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Now, did you know that God's aware of all of us? How many of you would say, I could agree to that? I believe that God is aware of all of us and knows our name, where we live, when we were born, how old we are. He knows our heart. Now, the ones on the earth, whether they live in Asia or Africa, one of you talked to me about people we mutually know in Nairobi, all the folks in Africa, South America, Europe, New York City, he knows all of them. If any of them say, you know what, I'm not sure who the true God is. But you know what? If I could know who my creator is, I'd worship you. 
I would do whatever. I'm here to do the will of my creator. That's the reason I exist. God would know about that. You know what he'll do? He'll make sure you find out the truth you need to know. You know, I think you ought to study. I think you ought to think. I think you ought to reason things. I think you ought to have a discussion with a, pa- a man like your pastor who is a knowledgeable man. But I'll tell you, the main thing about finding the truth is to surrender your will. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. I really think that's what happened to me. I was a member of a church, our family church, where our pastors no longer believed the Bible was true. And when I joined the church, our assistant pastor taught us that the Bible should not be relied on because it's got legends and fairy tales in it, and it's not all true. And so I'm not just telling you they didn't believe the Bible. They didn't. From the pulpit, doubt and unbelief was preached. And I never heard the gospel once. I can't take credit for it, and I don't understand it. But somewhere back then when I was a teenager, I got so I wanted to know the truth. I remember thinking, you know what? (laughs) When I joined the Methodist church when I was 13 years old, I'm just not sure that's going to get me into heaven. Not with the stuff I'm doing. As a teenage boy, I was doing and saying things that I knew were wrong and condemned in the Bible. And are they going to get me into heaven because I joined the Methodist church? That didn't add up. So somewhere in my mind and heart, God knew about this. I wanted to know the truth. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. I can tell you the rest of the story. Of course, I'd love to tell you the story because it's my story. How a friend of mine got me to listen to a radio preacher. I never had interested Christian radio or TV, but I started listening to this preacher. I started to understand, and I wrote him a letter after a year. Said, Dr. McIntyre, uh, I want to know more about the Bible. What I was really saying is I want to know how to be saved because I knew I wasn't. Sent me a correspondence course, and there one summer, 1963, in my home, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior and was born again. See, you know what? Anybody, saved or not, who will do the will of God, that's their purpose and goal, they'll have insight that nobody else does. Some of you read John chapter 10, where Jesus said, I'm the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. If you read the chapter, he will say this, my sheep know my voice and they follow me and I will give unto them eternal life. You get to eternal life when you believe on him. But behind believing is following. If a sheep goes, I've lost. The shepherd comes looking for you. And even if you're all clouded about what Christian doctrine is and about what the truth is, I'm going to tell you, if you'll follow him, you'll find him. And it's not only true about getting saved, it's about after you're saved. I'm talking about insight as to what's true. Well, I got saved at home. Then I found another church. I told my mother, I don't want to go to the church where we go to anymore because I'm the only one in the whole church I know of that's born again. My Sunday school teacher told us he didn't believe there ever was a Noah or an Adam. 
I can't go to a church like that. Could we find another one? So I started going to a Baptist church, got taught the Bible. But I'm not telling you I was perfect, but I'm going to tell you I was basically one of those people who wanted to do the will of the Father. Years so, read my Bible every day, okay? I remember the day, I remember where I was. During my Bible reading and prayer time, I said, you know what, God? It's dawning on me that maybe you're calling me to be a preacher. I was a very timid young man. The idea of standing up in front of people and talking scared me to death. I didn't think I could do it, but it dawned on me that that's what God was doing. So I said, you're looking for something dramatic. It's not dramatic. But I said, God, if you want me to be a preacher, I'll do it. <laughs> then left my room, told my mother. I said, Mom, you know what? God may be calling me to be a preacher. And then I just assumed he had no flash of lightning, no big feeling. Followed that up. Okay. Day by day, I did the will of God. Was thought to do the will of God. Now I'm junior year of college, high school. I say, you know what? I think preachers go to college, don't they? I don't know where to go to college. I lived in North Carolina, North Carolina State, Wake Forest. I don't know. This radio preacher that I listened to every day, he got on the air, and his subject today was Christian colleges. What a coincidence. <laughs> he said, you know what? You shouldn't go to a state college or another college where they'll rob you of your faith. You'll need to go to a place where they'll nurture your faith like, and he named one. I'd never heard of it. Took my pencil and wrote down the name. That afternoon, I listened to a preacher I would listen to uh, from out west. His subject that day was Christian colleges from a little different angle. He said, don't let your kids go to a college that's against Christianity. They ought to go to a good Christian college like and name the same one Dr. McIntyre did. I looked at it and went, that's the same one. I walked down to the drugstore, bought me a World Almanac that has a list in it of every college in America, and there was the name, the address, the president's name, wrote a letter. Do you remember when you wrote letters? Talk about like a stamp on paper. Wrote a letter, said, Dear sir, I think God's calling me to go to your college. <laughs> Signed it, sent it away, sent me a letter back. He said, God is, going to, is calling you to our college, I'm sure. You say you're called to be a preacher. He said, we'll not only teach you how to load the gospel gun, we'll teach you how to shoot it. <laughs> and that's where I went. Now, there was turmoil between. There's always a storm in the middle when Jesus Christ says, we're going across this lake. So I went through some trials, but uh, then I was on the track. I'll do whatever you want me to, Father. And I showed up at the college, and I was such a weak, young Christian. I was sure, Pastor, that I'd get expelled in a few days, that I'd say something that I wasn't supposed to. I thought all of them were angels. All the students were angels and not me. And uh, I prayed all day. God, help me not to mess up. Help me do your will all day long. And uh, I showed up early for the evangelistic meeting that they had at the beginning of the year where one of the leaders preached the gospel. They always preached the gospel at the beginning of a semester to make sure everybody was saved. And to be honest with you, I wasn't sure I was. So I was weak and ignorant and not even sure I was saved. And I sat down early at, at my assigned seat through an early computer. They had uh, kerosene computers back then. Oh, uh, we give, give an assignment. I sat down and I was early waiting for the service to start. I looked down the row. 
And I thought, who knows? Maybe on this row will be the girl I marry. Then I thought, you idiot. <laughs> what are you doing? You're going to think some girl on this row is supposed to marry you? Well, I was embarrassed. The only one who heard me say it was God. But I was embarrassed in front of God. So anyway, but I sat there and waited, and people started coming. Guys, 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 men, other guys. Then one girl on our row right there. Hi, I'm Rick Flanders. I'm from North Carolina. She said, well, I'm Tony Flack. I'm from Michigan. I was trying to think, where's Michigan? It's a girl I married. <laughs> and if I could tell you my whole story, it's a dream. It's a dream. Did you know that God will give insight to anyone who's willing to do what he wants them to do? Amen. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he shall... Direct thy paths. Wow! You might say, how's he going to do that? That's his problem. He doesn't say how, but if he needed to send you an angel to tell you what to do, he'd do it. Wow. So here are these people who are out there, and their life is doing the will of their Father, which is in heaven, who is their creator, and once they come to Jesus, he's their savior. And now they're willing to do whatever, and they will find salvation, and they will have insight. Then I'll have to just kind of quickly tell you about this. They're going to have power, supernatural power. Now, here's the way this went. Followers, they became believers. Then he promised them the Holy Spirit. He says the night before he died, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. And then he says, he's with you, and he shall be in you on the day of Pentecost. Now, here's what the whole picture was. There were people who were disciples, disciples, willing to do whatever. They became believers, trusted Jesus Christ for their salvation. Then he promised them the Holy Ghost, who is God, the third person of the Trinity. He will come to live inside you to be your comforter. I think you've probably been told this before. The word comforter means helper. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's a tall order, Jesus. I do, do love you. But you tell me to forgive people I don't want to forgive. You tell me to love people I'm afraid to love. You tell me to go the extra mile, turn the other cheek. I don't know if I can live like that. Oh, no, you'll be all right. If you're willing, you're going to have all the help you need. His name is going to be the Holy Ghost. Amen. Did you know if you're saved, there's somebody inside you that will give you all the power you need to live the Christian life? Amen. Did you know if you're struggling with something, and we all do, listen... There's somebody inside you that will give you the ability to overcome anything that keeps you from being a good Christian. Not only a good Christian, the Bible uses the word holy. Holy. You can be a holy man because the Holy Ghost lives inside you. But you'll never know about that power 
until you're a Christian willing to do the will of God. I know what you're thinking. I can't. That's my point. Did you know you need to forsake your sins to be able to give them up? What am I talking about? You might say, I know the will of God for me is for me to quit tobacco, for me to quit some kind of drug, for me to get control of my temper. But I've tried all of that and I just can't do it. Well, first thing you need to forsake it. That doesn't mean quit it. Did you know you can forsake something you may not be able to quit? Stay with me, though. But God is not going to jerk it out of your hands. Now, Lord, my filthy thoughts, even before I come to church, how do I change that? First of all, forsake those thoughts. I give them up. I give up tobacco. I give up booze. I give it up. I give up my temper. I forsake it because Jesus Christ is not going to jerk it out of your hands. You go through a wrestling match. You love your sin so much. He has to wrestle with you. And why don't you just let it go today? Okay, then watch. Then the Holy Spirit can go to work and liberate you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You let it go. Then you let him set you free. And you never see anything miraculous like that until you're one of those willing to do the will of God. There are Christians here today, Pastor Backhouse, who say they love Jesus, but they're not willing to do anything. Not anything. Jesus said this, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I have commanded you. See, we keep coming back to that. Come on. He says that tomorrow I'm going to die on the cross for you. Because I'm your friend. If you'll be my friend, you'll have to be a person who says, I'll do whatever. Amen. And you know what? Nothing works until you do. Right. My fourth point was going to be, but I'm going to quit, but I'm just going to say it. It's obvious. It'll make it sure your life matters. See, the world is filled with people doing their own thing, sometimes hating God, living their own way. They kind of like themselves. All over the world, so much trouble with people who are just concentrating on what they want. But there's a few people, and God sees them like little lights on planet Earth who are going around. You know what they're doing? The will of their father. What do you want done, Lord? What do you want done with my family? What do you want done in Seymour? What do you want done? Where do you want me to go, Lord? Wherever, whatever. These little lights down there. You know what God's doing? He's giving them more light. Yes. See, he's giving them power to fulfill his will. Wow, most important people on the face of the earth. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he calls them the light of the world. If there's any light in the world, it's you, he says. And you know how that happens? When you decide, I'm going to do the will of my Father. So that's the basic of the basics. Okay, for sinners, seekers, and saints.
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.